holy crap, we're back. So we didn't do anything in April. Or rather, we did loads of things, but we didn't do anything with the podcast in April. Because, you know, everybody's got to have some time off, right, Squidge? Mm, what? Sorry, I've just woken up. I'm not dressed, eh? Oh, right, okay. You were hyping it in, were you? I was, well, that's one way of calling it, I suppose. What we're doing? Uh, podcast. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm ready. What we're doing? Right, okay. Podcast, I'm with you. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, oh, God, I haven't got a topic. Um, should we just make some up? Ah, let's wing it. You want to wing it? Yeah, why not? Done it before, we can do it again. Let's wing it. Cue the music! Waffle and Taylor's podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Waffling Tailors podcast. We don't know whether this is going to be a multi-parter or not like we usually do. We don't usually do hellos at the beginning of the second and third parts of multi-parters. Maybe we should. I'm not sure. Anyway, I'm waffling on now. This is, like I said, another episode of the Waffling Tailors podcast. I am one of your hosts. I am Gabrugman. And with me, as always, it's hashtag hello squidgy. Um, okay. Hello squidgy. Hello squidgy. How are you squidgy? I'm not bad. Finish hibernating. You have? Fantastic. Yeah, yeah, finished. Did you enjoy sleeping all the way through April? Oh, I wasn't sleeping. I was hibernating. Ah, what's the difference? Um, I don't actually know. So, we have uh, a packed show of, we don't really know what we're going to do yet, uh, today, and um, we are going to talk about... Packed show of uncertainty. That's it. It's the Heisenberg, Heisenberg episode. That's maybe what we'll call it. Uh, Waffling Taylor's episode, Heisenberg. He was the dude who came up with the uncertainty principle, by the way. A little bit of science knowledge dropped on your face there. We are the Waffle Tailors, and we do a podcast about video games and stuff. Um, we usually just sit and talk nonsense. We are usually joined by guests, but Squidgy and myself decided to record this one a cappella, as it were, just the two of us, to see what we could come up with. Um, and Squidgy has an interesting topic for us, um, and we're going to talk about that in a moment. But first of all, just a quick round of introductions. So I am Jay, for the people who haven't heard this show before. That's me. I am Jay. And the other guy is Squidgy. Say something, Squidgy, so they know who you are. Squid so they know who you are. Yes. Fantastic. Okay. So what's our topic for today, Squidge? I know we've got some stuff we're going to splice in later, but what's our topic? What are we going to talk about? Uh, essentially music from video games and music that we like to listen to while playing video games. Not exactly related to the game. Okay. Okay. So I know that we've done... So I re-released recently an old episode that we released specifically to the patrons. Um, but we've released it to everyone else simply because uh, we don't have any patrons. So it was pointless <laughs> it just sort of sitting there and not being downloaded. Um, but that was the re-release was inspired by a recent episode by one of the dudes of the Arcade Attack podcast. Um, and they had done a series of, a short series of episodes. I believe there's more coming where it's like, here are six tracks from video games that I really like, essentially. So I had done pretty much the same, but with 10. Um, so that's available to listen to, but that's just essentially a clip from a song, me talking about why it's so great, and then another clip from the same song. 
for 10 songs. But we're not going to talk about that, are we, Squidge? No, we're also not going to mention how it hits you in the face either. So Yes. Um, answers on a postcard, please, or in a tweet. How many times did I say punch you in the face in that episode? Go back and give it a listen. I'm going to say eight. I haven't even listened to more than five minutes of it, so I'm just going to say eight. To be fair, you're probably better off only having listened to five minutes of it. <laughs> Because it's me talking to people for 40 minutes. Plus, if you stick around after the end, after the stinger, uh, at the stinger, sorry, after the end, there is a clip of me, a small, short clip of me singing a song that um, only exists in that form. I've lost the file, the original recording of it. Oh, no. So you only have that bit, but I still have the lyrics. So go back and listen to that episode. There'll be a link in the show notes, in the full show notes on the website. So click through to the website on your podcatcher. Go to the website, click that episode, listen to it all the way to the end, listen to an exclusive clip of a song that I'd recorded, or rather that I wrote to the backing of a pre-existing song all about... A giant cactus. As you do. Of course. I remember you writing that was years ago, wasn't it? It was indeed very, very long time ago. So what we're going to do with this episode is we're going to talk about our main topic in a minute. But uh, whilst I was in Japan in April, I took a, some recording equipment with me and attempted to record um, several uh, sort of short travel logs. Hey guys, I'm in Fukuoka today, that kind of thing. And we're going to splice those in as we go through this conversation and maybe have an episode or maybe just have an episode of just those. We're not sure yet. It will depend how my edit schedule falls when I come to edit this. For inside baseball fans, we're recording this before I've gone to Japan, but there you go. Just giving away a little bit of the secret sauce. We've got a secret sauce? Uh, yes, it's a blue one. So that's what that is. Well, the blue fizzy bubbly stuff. Yeah. Yeah, don't touch it. Too late. Have a nice day. Clean up! Register six! Well, while Squidgy's cleaning himself off, we'd better talk about music in video games um, and the music that we like to listen to whilst playing video games. So I'm going to take the lead in attempting to explain what I think Squidgy's idea is, and then he could tell me why I'm wrong. <laughs> so essentially, I'm thinking that there are lots of video games that we like to just play because it passes the time, you know? Some people like to play Tetris. Some people like to play Mario. Some people like to play, I don't know, Streets of Rage. I'm currently very much into playing real-time strategy games like Zero AD and things like that, Age of Empires and stuff, or button bashing, or as Chief Problems calls them, smashy games like uh, Warriors Orochi or the any of the Warriors series. And whilst I'm playing those, I'll essentially mute the game and listen to something else. Is that the kind of idea you're going for, Squidge? Yeah. Okay. Um, so if that's the case, then why don't you give us a little introduction and tell us about an example? Okay. So um, in my gaming habits, I found myself either replaying games I've played before, or I found myself playing games that involve a lot of leveling up, sort of grinding. And um, I don't know about you, but the, the fifth time you hear someone yell heal, or you hear, especially in Kingdom Hearts, when you've got low health and you hear that whining mute, it gets really annoying. So what I tend to do is I just mute the television, and I listen to something else in the meantime, just to keep my brain active, because playing a game in silence is, is naff. But listening to sort of like the sound effects and the music in certain games, it can get, especially older ones, it can get really repetitive and annoying. So I tend to just mute that and listen to something else. But it depends what I listen to in the meantime. 
And what it does is, whenever I listen to that music outside of playing games, I get a nice little association of memories. Okay. Can you give us an example then about maybe a video game you've been playing and you've muted the TV or muted your computer and just put your headphones on and just listen to something whilst grinding away at a video game? I can give you an example of something from our past that I've got an association with. Yes, please do. Alien 3 on the Mega Drive. Can you guess what I'm going to say here? Oh, I'm pretty sure I can guess. I'd like to give the listeners a chance to have a think about what kind of music they think that we would uh, listen to whilst playing Alien 3 on the Mega Drive. So to put you in the right state of mind, here comes a short clip of one of the tracks from Alien 3 on the Mega Drive. Okay, so now that we've listened to that, what were you going to drop on a squidge? Well, actually, wait a minute. What I will say is the music that we used to listen to, I used to turn off the music that we were listening to for the um, kitchen levels, because that tune itself I use at the gym. I've mentioned it before. It rocks. But um, the music, weirdly, that we used to listen to, or that you used to put on while we were playing and mute the TV, was Lighthouse Family. Yes. Essentially, because the copyright on actual music is more protected than video game music, at least the older video game music, we're not going to include clips of the songs we discuss, but we will include clips of the songs from the games. So uh, we'll encourage you to go find those yourself or to check the show notes because we'll embed some links so, so you can go and listen to these actual songs. There was nothing like listening to a smooth, velvety voice of Lighthouse Family while you're blowing the living crap out of aliens with your pulse rifle and grenades and stuff. And dodging facehuggers and fighting bosses and going up and down the ladders because those were the real enemies of Alien 3, I think, the ladders. There is something quite special about uh, about the, the juxtaposition, as you say, of the, uh, the sort of smooth jazz, the chill-out sort of uh, 90s um, chill-out dance music, pop music, and the absolute mayhem of a, a game of Alien Three, it's uh, at least on the Mega Drive anyway. Mm. Excellent! What a great, what a great example, Squidge. What a great example. So, uh, shall I go next to give you another example of some of the music I like to listen to when I'm playing video games? Yep. Okay. So, one of the things that folks that often frequent our site or listen to our podcast or read anything that we talk about will know is that we are huge, huge. I can't even say huge any biglier than that, but huge fans of Fantasy Star Online in all of its incarnations, except for episode three, the card game, because that was just terrible. It sucked. No, it didn't. It was just terrible. It was still a Fantasy Star game. It was just, it was terrible. Yeah. But before I go into what I sometimes listen to whilst, or what I, rather, I'm going to do two here. I'm going to talk about what I used to listen to whilst grinding back when PSO was first out and I was still at school and what I listen to these days when I'm grinding on it because I still play it now. That's the great thing about PSO is I'll happily still play it now on a Dreamcast, on a GameCube, uh, whatever I can get my hands on that has it running on it, I will play it because it's an amazing game. So we're going to play a little clip here.
So now you've got your head around um, the kind of music, that sort of cool synthy electronica type music. I'm going to list two things that I listen to. So I used to listen to, and this was, we're talking, oh goodness, when did it come out? 2002? Something like that? No, it was earlier than that. No, it was, it was 2001, 2002. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, 2001, 2002. So we're talking uh, 2001 through to maybe 2004 time when I used to play it. I used to listen to a whole bunch of Michael Jackson's Dangerous album on repeat mm-hmm. whilst I was just working my way through all those levels and beating everything up and collecting all the things. Just because, you know, it was one of the first new Jack Swing albums and it has universally labelled as one of the best examples of new Jack Swing. So that's pretty cool. Also, you were warning the game as well that you were indeed a public health hazard. I mean, anyone who's been around me for any amount of time will know that, yes, I am a public health hazard. <laughs> just through the obnoxious gases I tend to let off. Uh, Is that indicator on uh, Dangerous yet or what? Uh, I think it's still set to uh, green, although maybe it's broken. Probably broken. I need to get it fixed. So yes, I used to listen to a lot of Dangerous whilst I was playing those. But these days, when I'm doing a PSO session, it's usually I'm going to sit down and do it for a couple of hours and I like to just switch off. I'll sit here in front of my PC and I run uh, Raycast on my PC through Emulation Station, which I would totally recommend. It's also known as RetroPie when installed on a Raspberry Pi. The only reason you have to do that is because I've still got your Dreamcast, haven't I? Yes. But uh, one of these days, I'll set up a video game room in an office room that I have, and I'll be able to do that whenever I want. That's what I've done. Exactly. So um, I sit at my computer using my Xbox controller. Is it? It's an Xbox 360 controller, isn't it? The one you've got, yeah. A wired Xbox 360 controller into Raycast. I put my headphones on, connect them to the computer using Bluetooth, and I just listen to a whole bunch of podcasts. I am putting together a list of podcasts that I like to listen to, so I will link those in the show notes if they're done in time. And if I manage to do the show notes. Uh, past couple of times I've tried to finalize show notes. They've not come out brilliantly the first time around, but there you go. Yeah, so I like to listen to a lot of podcasts whilst I'm playing. You listen to too many podcasts. You really do. Well, somebody has said that. I'm at, currently, at the time of recording, I'm at 84 subscriptions. So that's 84 individual shows that maybe release one or two episodes a week that are, some of them range from five minutes, some of them are three hours an episode. So there you go. I've got three and one of them's us. Well, what I'll say to you, Squidge, check the show notes for a link to a list of all of the shows that I listen to um, on a weekly basis. How's that? I don't think I've got time to check all of them out. No, but you'll be able to see a list of them and then maybe you'll go, oh. Anyway, yes. So uh, what about you, Squidge? Do you ever play PSO? And if so, do you put music on? I actually have a dream. Um, I have a, a your Dreamcast. The lesser known version of um, the I have a dream speech. The I have a dream speech. Yeah, yeah. So I've got that. I've got I've got Nintendo Wii. I've still got one of them. And I've still got my GameCube. It was only up until recently that I repurchased or managed to track down another version of Fantasy Star Episode 1 and 2 for the Cube. I put a lot of hours into that. My previous copy was, shall we say, misplaced by someone else. Uh, that's a nice way of saying stolen. It was nicked, half-inched, relocated by someone else. So I, I had to get another copy. I've got to dig out the uh, GameCube now. But I have a Dolphin emulator on my uh, on my laptop. And I've got an adapter so I can actually play PSO with my GameCube pad, which is always nice. And I do play a lot of that on my um, my laptop when I get a spare hour, two hours maybe, when I'm not doing other stuff. 
that is the only game that I can play for hours and end, and I have got a lot of hours put into that, where I won't listen to anything else. I'll listen to the actual music. That game, the more I play it, the older I get, the more I appreciate and listen to the actual music instead of just zoning out. So I'll actually sit there and listen to it. I see, I see. So you'll happily sit and listen to music. That's really cool. The only one. Any of the games that I'm grinding on, I'll switch off. That's still pretty cool. To be fair, the soundtrack for Fantasy Star Online is amazing. Mm. I'm not sure I like the there's a vocal like a song version. Uh, oh, the intro. A, a, yeah, like there's a there's a song that's used for the intro that has lyrics. I can't think of the best way to put it, where someone is actually singing a song and it's, I don't know, I, I'm not sure what it is about video game music and actual vocals tracks. I don't like them and there's something I can't quite put my finger on. I'd say one thing that I have got, I've got an unwanted association with music with a certain game. Oh yes. Yeah, it's uh, Fallout 3. I've got unwanted association with, should we call it a band? Yeah, let's call it a band. One band that I'm not quite fond of and it's only over the past three months replaying it on Steam that I've actually got around this. It's when I was first playing Fallout 3, ladies and gentlemen, back in the day, Mm -hmm. um, a certain person who resided in the room right next to me was learning to play a bass guitar. (laughs) Just one second, Squidge. Is that same person on a virtual roundtable with you right now? He could be. Now, this person at the time, considering he was just coming out of teenage years, going into his early 20s, got a surround sound speaker system that he set up in front of his monitor, and he had no concept of what headphones were for. So what he did was, he was learning to play bass, he had all the books and stuff, and he was learning, and he'd listen to Sting and the Police and emulate it. But again, he had no concept of headphones, and because of that, let's say, two-year period of him trying to learn that, everything I do now is on headphones, because since then, all I've ever done is on headphones, so I never play anything out loud, ever, because of that. And yes, it is you, you git. He played the music louder than I could play it on my headphones, so I'm partially deaf because of him. Listen, Red, could have been worse. A couple of years after that, I then went and bought a bass amplifier, and this thing was as big as a house. Yeah, and it, <laughs> it almost rattled the windows out of the house. Yes. The one that you could actually sit on. You needed that amp because you got a five-string bass and the amp you were using wasn't powerful enough, was it? Do you remember that? That's it. Yeah, that's it. I went all the way to Viking Town to pick it up, yeah. I brought it back on the train, yeah. And I got, uh, I was politely asked never to do it again. (laughs) Apparently, UK train laws, you're only allowed to carry luggage of a certain size with you. Oh, right. And if it's over that size, yeah. I didn't know either, yeah. You should have disguised it as a bike. Put some wheels on it. <laughs> this is my bike. <laughs> this, this is where I plug my guitar into the bike. <laughs> As you do. We talked Alien 3, we talked PSO. We got another uh, game you want to talk about, Squidge, or another soundtrack that you... Because, like, we're talking about video game music that you listen to while playing other video games, but it could also mean video game music that you listen to whilst doing other things. Yeah, um, I tend to... It's not just music. It can be... I mean, for me, a lot of it's, like, video game music from one game while I'm playing another. So, for example, I'm currently going through, as of the time of recording, I'm currently going through um, Dragon Quest Warriors 2 
on the PS4 because mm-hmm. I never completed that. I um I had the Magpie syndrome, so I was playing that. Some else shiny came out, and I concentrated on that. So I'm going back to complete it. And um, currently, my playlist consists of tracks from Streets of Rage, Streets of Rage 2. I've got a person that we've talked about in a previous podcast who just releases awesome synth remixes. Is it Mono Memory? Mono Memory, yeah, yeah. I'm glad I got that right. Um, I'm listening to uh, some of that guy's remixes as well, and they're absolutely awesome. I feel like I'm in an 80s dance club in Vice City with pastel suit on. Mm. Really bad haircut. So there's that. I also listen to... There's one track in particular that I found I'm listening to a lot more because it reminds me... While I'm playing of other games, it reminds me of a game that I played as far as i'm concerned on a harder difficulty even on easy um and then i nerfed myself with the controller i was using it's the main track from i don't know if it's the first or the second one but it's silent hill the main silent hill track you know the one that starts off with a is it a mandolin yeah by let me see if i can say this without butchering it i'm really gonna try akira yamaoka yamaoka did i pronounce that right spell yamaoka to me y-a-m-a-o-k-a yamaoka yeah yamaoka yeah it's a flat sound, Yamaoka. So I kind of got it right, yeah. I've been listening to that a lot, just on single repeat, because that tune, it just reminds me of when I tried to play Silent Hill before with an arcade stick and didn't bother picking up the radio. So I didn't know where the enemies were coming from. And Harry Mason can't run in a straight line, he's wobbly as hell and he bonks into everything and he can't shoot straight to save his life. So, you know, to quote the arcade attack guys, he's an everyman. I listen a lot to that. Just bits and bobs, really. So get, like, some Streets of Rage music, there's some Fantasy Star 4 stuff I listen to spliced in with most of the time it's like heavy rock versions of pop songs i like listening to because they're just so ridiculous and awesome at the same time so what i'm going to do is i'm going to talk about another example of a a video game that i love to play and put random music and stuff on Mm. so i'm going to talk about my most favorite pc game ever now the playstation version of this game is naff so for the people who are not uk people naff means not very good uh, used to mean not available for something because it was a it was a term used in the uh, in the LGBTQ community before LGBTQ was a thing. Oh, yeah, back when it was still illegal to be an LGBTQ member in the UK. Dark times, man. Dark times. Exactly. Two homosexual men who were discussing a, another man would say he is naff, meaning he's not available for you to um, yeah liaise with, shall we say? But that's got nothing to do with this. <laughs> the PlayStation version of this particular game is terrible. Uh, And all the other games that were released after this, there were a whole series of them along the same lines, were all terrible. The first version of the game on PC is absolutely amazing. And I can sit and play this for days. Now, the problem is I run Linux Ubuntu, which means I can't play it. So because I use Linux Ubuntu, I can't play it. Even when I use systems like Wine, W-I-N-E, which helps you to run Windows applications on Linux, it still doesn't work too well because I can't map a controller over to it because there's like three layers of abstraction between the video game and me. So the game I'm talking about is London Racer. Were you right, Switch? No, I thought you were going to talk about Age of Empires. What was, the, what was the sequel to London Racer then? So there's London Racer, London Racer 2, M25 Racer, and Euro Racer. My God, there were sequels then. I'm going to talk about all the different stuff that I used to listen to when playing that game. Now, this was a case of 
absolutely anything that was on my MP3 player at the time. Squidge, I think you'll remember, this was a time when you used to be able to buy little, how do I put it? Because they're not even the same size anymore. USB drives. Yeah, USB drives that would fit in your hand about the size of an actual pen, which is why some people call them USB pens. So about the same length as a pen, but about maybe the thickness of two or three fingers. Now, these devices used to have a USB connector on one end and a headphone jack on the other, and sometimes a little LCD screen if you were lucky. And what you would do is you would plug that into your computer, copy over a number of MP3 files until you'd filled up the USB, then safely remove it, start it up, and it would have a couple of AAA batteries in there to power it. You'd plug in your headphones because these were wired headphones, Mm. plug them in, hit play, and it would play the music. And it was absolutely amazing. And I used to put that thing on shuffle, and I used to just sit and play this game, because it is a cracker of a racing game. Absolutely brilliant. It's got some ridiculous things, like to get around copyright for mentioning actual car models, they reverse the letters. So you start off driving in a NIMI, And you go up from there. So you can end up driving like Porsches and MGs, but they are GMs, you know, so they don't get into trouble for it. But it is an amazing game and I absolutely love it. But I used to listen to whatever was on my MP3 player at the time. So we're talking early 2000s, right? 2001, 2002. Yeah, about the same time as me playing PSO. So Mm. that would have been, for me, the great renaissance time. So I've started listening to new metal. I've started listening to pop music. I've started looking back at, classic rock albums it was a whole smorgasbord of different music all sorts on there but this was before i was into listening to video game soundtracks it's only in the last maybe 10 years that i've properly gotten into listening to video game soundtracks and it seems like it's the case for a lot of people actually because we've got video games live which has been a thing for about 15 years but has really picked up a lot of traction in the last 10 Mm. so there you go i've still got one of those little red media players somewhere one of my friends used to make a whole bunch of money importing them really used to import them and yeah and sell them on into the uk yeah everybody wanted them I mean, you just look at it now. Look at what your phone does. Everything. Yeah, but it's essentially a glorified MP3 player at this point. So what about you, Squidge? Have you got another example for us? The only other thing I can think of is from way back in the day when we had the Mega Drive, when we had Universal Soldier. Oh, yes. Universal Soldier and Pit Fighter. Now, Pit Fighter had awesome in-game music anyway, but Universal Soldier and Pit Fighter, I remember playing that, and this guy here would insist on turning the sound of the TV down or off and putting on Michael Jackson's Off the Wall. That album at that time was my jam. absolutely and there are still some songs on that album that i just i just have to listen to on a very regular basis (laughs) but there you go yes i've got another association and it kind of it's not my most favorite final fantasy game in the world but this album made it more bearable and i got a feeling i'm gonna have certain few people yelling at me for that but the game is final fantasy 8 and back in the day when i didn't really understand how to play it too much and i was just going through and trying to figure out just you know the first time you play a game you're going headstrong you don't even realize and then later on you play it again you play it properly that kind of thing that's what i tended to do when i was younger what i did was i couldn't really 
I like the battling system, but not using magic because it was junctioned. I'd draw it and I'd junction it so I could like wallop people, twock them over the head a lot harder. So what I do is I turn the music off. And I had a portable CD player at the time that I plugged into the wall because, you know, I'm sick of buying batteries. Mm-hmm. And what I do was playing Final Fantasy VIII, I'd listen to the first album by Avril Lavigne. I remember doing that early 2000s. So when you were playing PSO and your Dreamcast, I was playing Final Fantasy VIII on the uh, the good old PSX, big chunky grey thing. You know, that's I never had a, a small PS1, I had a PSX. I associate whenever I play Final Fantasy VIII, I have to listen to that album because I can't listen to the in-game music. Even though the in-game music is awesome, I just can't. It just doesn't feel right. So I have to mute the game and listen to the album. That's a must, that one. I have to do it. i got a feeling Lulu's going to kill me for that, but (laughs) it's just one of those things I have to do. The only other example I've got in my little notes, I like to make notes whilst we're doing this, Squidge, is, and I don't know whether you'll remember this one. So one of the great, actually I've got two. Yeah, so one of the things that the Xbox, the original Xbox allowed you to do was uh, you were able to rip your own CDs, put them onto the hard drive, and then you could listen to that music in certain games. Not every game allowed it, but some games did. We're talking like the original Project Gotham did, things like um, the snowboarding games did, and one of my favorite games, and I cannot for the life of me remember exactly which one it was, but it was one of the 2K NFL games. And it had like a season mode and a create your own player mode and create your own stadium mode. And you could do 2003. Thank you very much, Squidge. And uh, one of the things that I really liked to do was um, to set, I was very much into Outcast at the time. I was very much into Speakerbox slash The Love Below, which was the one of their big breakout in, in the pop charts albums. I'm not so much a big fan of Big Boy's album, which was uh, Speakerbox, but I really did like Love Below, which was, so it was a double album. It was two CDs. One CD was um, essentially Big Boy and the other one was Andre 3000. And I much preferred Andre 3000's album. And what I did was um, I set the field goal music, which in NFL, if you watch an NFL game, somebody scores a field goal, any kind of spot, somebody scores a goal, they'll play fast-paced, loud, super-duper, explosive music. Mine was the intro to Prototype by Outcast, which if you haven't heard it, check the show notes, there'll be a link. It's a very, very, very slow song. And the other one that is slightly related was uh, Squidgy and I used to play Guild Wars a lot. (laughs) When I had my first game in laptop. Yeah, because it was one of those games where you paid for a copy of the game and then it was perpetually online was free because it was at the time of World of Warcraft was making loads of money and everybody was coming out with their own versions. So Final Fantasy 12. Yeah. Was it 12? No, it was 11. 11 was online. Final Fantasy 12 was the, the PS2 game with the same mechanics. I am absolutely sure. Absolutely sure that Lulu will kill me for doing that. But yes, Final Fantasy XI had just come out and it was huge. People were playing it all the time and spending loads of money on it. I didn't. I cancelled my subscription after about two months because it just really was not worth it. I've never played World of Warcraft. I never saw the attraction to it. But I really liked the graphics and the characters and all of the design work and all of the leveling system in Guild Wars. I really liked it. And what Squidgy and I used to do is we used to play it, and uh, I used to somehow set up like a microphone or something so you could hear what I was listening to. I don't know how I did it. But uh, again, at the time, I was very much into Outcast, so I used to listen to Love Below a lot uh, because it's a good album. At least I think so, anyway. 
It wasn't just that. I remember in the first Guild Wars, especially in the base game, if you played as a necromancer when you did the dance emote, it was uh, Michael Jackson's Thriller Yes, moves that you did. And I remember when you went into the outside game, quick tangent here, when you went in like main hubs, you would be by yourself unless you were in a group. So no one could like steal your kills and whatever. And when you went into like the main towns, that's where you could socialize. And I remember in the first part of the game, before you go into like the prologue part, there was a, a church you could go near and that was a hub. So what I did was naturally, I was playing as a necromancer. So I took all the armor off and I started dancing and I just left it. And I came back about five minutes later and there was about 80 other players there with me dancing. And I took a screenshot. I've lost the screenshot, unfortunately, but there was me and 80 other people just dancing away. So you had the, the necromancer that did the, the Michael Jackson thriller. The monk always did breakdancing. I, I can't remember some of the other ones, but it was just really weird to just nip off, grab a drink, come back, and there was 80 other people with no armor on dancing away. It was really odd. So we've talked about the music you listen to whilst playing video games. I was just wondering, Squidge, do you have a set list of video game music that you listen to outside of video games yeah um most of the stages from streets of rage one and two i'll listen to you've got the main tune from silent hill i'll listen to a few from sonic adventure one and two the more rocky tracks there's some like bit tuney tunes i'll listen to so i've got some Bit-tuned versions of Sonic tracks from the Mega Drive. I listen to a lot of original Pokemon tunes as well. Also tunes from Undertale as well, which is very much sort of like a chip tune thing in that style anyway. Well, uh, I'll turn that question around and ask myself. I won't say the question again, but I'll ask myself essentially. Uh, what I like to do when I'm listening to, if I'm doing something that is brain intensive like if i'm working on a problem you know writing some software and i'm really having to concentrate i'll put on something that is maybe uh, streets of rage or maybe um that sort of high beats per minute uh sounding music uh maybe something i don't tend to listen to music from the halo franchise everybody says there is the best music ever and i don't really like it everybody says that halo is the best first person shooter ever and they're all wrong but i mean that's their opinion and they're allowed to be wrong about it that has a single player mode apparently yeah i've heard that myth too but yeah i'll tend to go through and i'll pick out some music that is um like from a fast-paced video game because i'm i'm trying to keep my concentration and when you think about it, all of the music in video games is, I don't want to say scientifically designed, but it's designed to keep your attention. Yeah. So is it, do you listen to stuff that doesn't have lyrics? Because I find when I'm trying to concentrate, my brain just goes straight to singing along. I do, but only because uh, most video game music doesn't have lyrics. Mm. Uh, the one or two tracks that do, I tend to avoid whilst I'm you know, trying to concentrate. Not that it distracts me, it's just it's one less thing to have to think about. Oh, oh, well, I remember. I'll kick myself if I don't remember this. Quick tangent. Um, another thing that I have on my phone that I listen to quite a lot, and I can't believe I didn't think of this, and I'll kick myself later for it, is most, if not all, of the soundtrack to Burning Rangers and Sonic R. They, they have to be mentioned because they are absolutely awesome. Absolutely, from the ground up. Just, just brilliant. If you never played those games, listen to the soundtrack. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Yeah, you don't have to have played those no. games to, to listen to the soundtracks. And yeah, Sonic R and Bernie Rages are permanently on my phone, along with all of the soundtracks. And I can't believe I can say this, that there are seven soundtracks to a 26-episode TV show called Martian Success in the Disco. Oh. What a TV show, right? 
Oh, the feels. The frying pan. Oh. It is my most favorite anime in the whole wide world. You know, I still can't watch the last episode of that. I don't blame you. Anyway, this isn't the anime podcast. No, that's your other one, isn't it? <laughs> Should we answer a question? There we go. Yes. So we've had a question come in from uh, White Mage over on Twitter, and she's asking for, you see, this is something that comes up every couple of years, mm-hmm. right? It's come up again because there's lots of stuff in the media about him, um, and, you know, more people are finding out about it now. But uh, White Mage wants to know, what are our current opinions on the Michael Jackson Sonic 3 music theory? Now, I know when this first happened, I looked into it a lot. And when it first happened, don't want to sound like a hipster, but it was about four years ago. Because mm. um, I remember, I remember because I was living in a different house at the time. And I looked into it, and it all makes complete sense. Mm. But what do you think, Squidge? Do you know much about the Michael Jackson Sonic 3 theory? I mean, I just know the, like, the broad strokes of it. They sega or sonic team they were working with the man himself mj to try and come up with some tunes for their upcoming game and i think it all went south when the first load of allegations came about that's essentially it yeah i'll say the allegations because anything after that has been absolute nonsense but when the allegations came out in the 90s they sort of distanced themselves away from it because obviously sonic at the time was a sega mascot which, as far as I could tell, it was more adults that were playing it than the kids, but whatever. But I tried distancing it from it, but some of the tracks in there, if you listen to it, you can hear the influences. Like, there's a stage that's set on an icy mountain, and the beats in that and the tempo from it sound a hell of a lot like Smooth Criminal. They really do. Um, it's the same notes in the same order, played at a slightly higher tempo in a different key. It is the same song. Right, okay, so Sega can't say because it's all tied up in legal knots. But all of the evidence points to he was hired to write music for Sonic 3. A lot of the music in Sonic 3, aside from things like Casino Night Zone and stuff, sound almost exactly like they are lifted from early demos that became songs on his albums Dangerous and History. into so he never got credit for it because obviously the um the the whole uh controversy surrounding that period of time in his life but there are some versions of the uh instruction booklet for the sonic 3 mega drive cartridge that have the mjj productions logo on the back of it there's also um the people who were credited as writing the music were all of his 
um, sound engineers who worked on both Dangerous and History. And like I say, the fact that the music is very clearly early demos of the songs that he was writing at the time. Tom Kalinske, the the guy who ran uh, Sega of America at the time, has been approached by lots of people, both um, high-profile video games journals and folks who run blogs like you and me. And essentially, his answer has always been, I cannot answer that question for legal reasons. Yeah. And he's never gone into the legal reasons as to why, but all of the evidence that they have provided, that other people have provided and pointed out, just it all makes sense. Like I say, the MJJ Productions logo is on the manual for certain printings of the video game. It's even listed in the small print in some pressings of the soundtrack. Yeah. You know, it just makes sense. It just, they couldn't mention it for a bunch of reasons. And that's perfectly fine. So there you go. That's my thoughts on it. What about you, Squidge? I mean, when you go back and play Sonic 3, if I'm trying to listen to that kind of thing, I won't go and find a soundtrack for it. I'll go back and play the base game and I'll sort of I'll zone out the sound effects that I'm hearing and I'll just listen to the music. And compared to the first two, which the music sort of, it worked for the stages you were in. You know, so you had like um, Chemical Plant, for example, the bane of anyone playing Sonic 2. Or like the first few games, they were quite, they, they were dramatic in parts, but then they were quite chilled back or they were, you know, you, you could tell the themes were there for each one. For me, the music in Sonic 3, it had, I don't know if this is going to make any sense to you, but it had legs. It sounded more like a fully fleshed out soundtrack rather than just stage music. Mm-hmm. I mean, at the time, I, I didn't, I didn't know like what all the evidence points towards, but it sounded like this music could. When I first played it, I thought this could be released. You could slap some lyrics on and you'd be fine, you know. So it was all there. That's what it kind of sounded like. And obviously, as I got older, realizing that, reading up on it, and watching all sorts of stuff on it, it sort of it makes all the sense in the world. And it's it's kind of like how to put this. It's kind of like for me when I listen to it, it's. You listen to the music from Sonic and Sonic 2, and that's Sonic music. You listen to music from Sonic 3, and it's kind of like it's Sonic music, but with actual drums. And it's kind of like if you listen to just music, that's background music, and then someone does a cover of it where there's drums and guitars, and you know, it's, it's an actual track instead of a soundtrack. It's a step up for Sonic tunes, as in it's no longer tunes, it's Sonic music. So it's, it's not the repetitive like in the older games, you had like a section of music that I just loop. With Sonic 3, it sounded like the track itself. It was a fully fledged, like three and a half minute, maybe four minute track. And at the end of that, it just start again, instead of it just looping a small section. We do actually have um, another question, if you wanted to broach that one. Ooh, okay. So uh, Fearless Schultz over on Twitter has said, this seems like a bit of an anti-question, but what are your thoughts on games like Inside and Limbo, where they pretty much issue music, dialogue, and most of the sounds you typically hear in a video game, but remain entirely atmospheric? So obviously, what I'm taking from that question is, those video games where they don't have music, but they try to sort of make it sound a little bit more like real life, like Limbo and uh, Inside. How do we feel about those? Well, I've played a little bit of Limbo, and there is music in there. Mm-hmm. It's more the real sounds of what happens when you jump, when you push stuff over. But it is atmospheric, but it, the the little tunes that you get in there are more like symphonic. They're only very small and very quiet. There's a few games that I actually 
I listen to the soundtrack for the game, but a different version of it. And one of them is Final Fantasy IX. I love listening to a very operatic version of the soundtrack. And there's one section of the game that I listen to <laughs> that really gets me going. It, it hits you in the feels hard, but then it really pumps you up. And it's the section with Vivi. And I think anyone that's played Final Fantasy now in that section, it's one of those where even now you know it's coming, it still hits you. And then when the cutscene ends and you go into the battle and Vivi just flips into a trance, I'm always sat on the edge of my seat, bouncing up and down, you know, screaming, oh, you're going down, you're going down. I like listening to certain games that are very story rich, but I try and get the sort of operatic, grandiose version of the soundtrack because for me it hits harder. For example, um, Kingdom Hearts 3. I've now played that and completed that. And towards the end, it sort of rounds off all of the story bits. So it puts everything in its place. So there's no more questions. And when you get towards the end, it's no longer sort of Disney-themed music. It's very atmospheric, very emotional music. And it did get me, I'll be honest, because there's a lot of things going on at the end. I think it was four hours for all the cutscenes at the end or something close to that. And it really does get you. So there is something to be said for the lack of atmospheric music, because especially with something like Limbo, the whole point of it is you're a little person and you've got to make them survive and get through and run away from giant spiders and traps and all that. And um, sometimes the lack of music works better. So if the game's like Limbo, having no music works better than actually having music, because it's it's a very sort of weird, atmospheric, tense game got to be careful for what tunes you stick on that because you could quite easily detract from the feeling of the game with the wrong type of music but it works better without it or with very little with like limbo and inside you know it, it does work well with just hearing the, the sound effects from in the game because that's what it's all about it's all about like the story of the game what's going on the characters how they're doing it you don't really want to slap a music score on top of that however grandiose or awesome you might want to make it sound because it could detract completely from the gameplay because if you think about it when you're playing a game music in a game is to the accompaniment of the gameplay if you make the music the wrong tone if it shifts away from the gameplay it's going to detract people from playing it so that they're not going to play it for the right reasons that's why sound design is so important in a game because you've got the original story, the creator and the director telling the story, the taking the player through the stages of where it's got to go, the narrative of the story. Say if it was a game like Limbo or Silent Hill, you wouldn't want to go into a certain door and then suddenly polka music starts playing. Although that <laughs> might be funny, but after the fourth time of playing it, it might, you know, it might grate on you. It, I mean, it'd be completely unexpected for something like Silent Hill, but you'd want more of the music in the game that sets up the atmosphere. And like the, the story and the feeling you want to portray across, you wouldn't want to stick like random heavy metal music on because it just wouldn't work. Like it wouldn't work with Limbo. The fact that it has very little to no soundtrack at all works very well for it. But certainly for for games that invoke emotion and protective feelings, like a, a lot of games you're either you're playing as a character and you get to know like the team of characters you play as and you, you feel very protective over certain people or you know some games you know, the whole premise of the game might be you're protecting one person in particular and you grow fond of them so the music in the game obviously it's what the creator wanted you to hear but sometimes especially especially for Final Fantasy 9 if you can hear a live operatic version of it it can make 
certain parts of the game where it hits you in the feels, my God, does Final Fantasy IX do that? It can make it have a bigger impact, and it really gets to you, especially playing it back with the HD re-release. So you've got like on Steam and PS4, and now you've got it on the X-Bone and Switch and all the rest of it. For me, when I put music on like that when I'm playing Final Fantasy IX, it draws me in a hell of a lot quicker than just going, right, I've just got to get past this prologue bit and blah, blah, blah. I put the music on and I'm in. I'm instantly drawn in. The rest of the world can go to hell, as far as I'm concerned, because I'm playing this game and I'm in, and the feeling's there, and I'm going to experience this story again, one that I've already done, but I'm ready for the ride again because the music and the sound is just there, even if I don't have that particular music with it, because I've got the association with that music. I'm drawn in quicker. You know, my attention's there and I'm ready for it. With music, if you do it right, if the music's either not there or if you listen to a different version of the music, you can enhance the gameplay and the immersion as well of the game. If you do it right. If you do it wrong or if, you, if you're just going to have a laugh, you know, like the gong from um, Dawn of the Dead just suddenly appears when you're playing. Because I did that when I was playing Resident Evil 2, uh, the remake this year and it was getting a bit too much when I was in um, the labs near the end. So for a certain section that I had to redo because I died, I played the gong, and it just took the edge off. <laughs> it was on point. It's, it's music from a zombie movie. One of my favourite first-person shooters is Half-Life 2, and there are pieces of music in that, but I think they are arranged in a similar way to uh, Limbo and Inside and similar games like that, where it is used to enhance the, the feeling of the atmosphere in the scene rather than you're running in and shooting lots of things. So we'll play some, <laughs> or, you know, we'll play like uh, the old Doom EM, uh, E1M one. It's more a case of being atmospheric rather than just providing some music to play in the background that you can sort of whistle along to or whatever. Yeah. I prefer those games than an actual full soundtrack sometimes because, you know, okay, so there will always be room in this world for the platformers that have the sort of upbeat music. You know, actually, right, just real quick tangent, going back to the Sonic 3 thing, mm-hmm. right? Sonic 1 and 2, the music for that was also written by a musician, an actual musician. So Sonic 1 and 2, right, the music was written by a member of, I want to say it's every every little thing. Mm. There are two Japanese bands. I always get them mixed up. There's every little thing and... Another one that I can't remember the name of right now because I'm being an idiot. But um, he was—he was—he's a rock rock musician, essentially a Japanese pop Japanese rock musician, and he'd be brought in to write loads of music on the synthesizer for this brand new game, which is why the music is so good. You know why it plays like actual music, not background bleeps and bloops, like you were sort of hinting at. Not only that, in I think it was the first Sonic game. I can't remember what stage it was. But I'm pretty sure you're going to be quick on the uptake on this one. There's a stage in Sonic 1 where the music sounds like a slightly slowed down version of a Janet Jackson tune. So you're thinking um, the first Sonic game for the Sega Master System, which was not made by Sega. Mm. Um, I can splice in a bit of the audio here. And you'll have to check the show notes for a obviously an embedded version of the song that we mean by Janet Jackson, but they are very similar, very eerily similar is what I'll say. 
So what we'll do is we'll kind of leave it there. Have you got any closing thoughts, Squidge? Um, my foot's itchy again. It's itchy again. Ah, oh, it's catching. In our previous episodes, it was uh, Chief that had the itchy foot. Now you've got the itchy foot. Well, he, he got over it, didn't he? In the previous one, he got over it. That's true. Maybe that's why you've got the itchy foot now, because he had the itchy foot, then got over it. If it takes me forever, I'll get him back for that. Right then, uh, my closing thoughts are definitely check out the website, wafflingtailors.rocks. There'll be a link in the show notes in your podcatcher. Uh, so definitely click on that or just head over to wafflingtailors.rocks. We're pretty good on the old search engine optimization. So if you type in waffling tailors, you'll get to us somehow, <laughs> whether it's through Twitter or Facebook or through our website. So head over to the website and check out the show notes because, um, you know, we, we put a lot of effort into those. And especially for this one, we're going to be combining a lot of stuff and putting some, maybe some YouTube or um, Bandcamp uh, embeds or something in there so that you can click through and understand what we're talking about with respect to these licensed pieces of music that we can't include in the podcast episode. So definitely check that out. It means breaking up your podcast experience, but it's the only way we can do it. Still stay on the air and not get sued to death. (laughs) I don't know about you, but I don't like being sued to death. No, it's not advisable. Anyway, check us out at wafflingtailors.rocks. Find us on Twitter at wafflingtailors. Find us on Facebook with just by searching on Facebook for Waffling Tailors. You can find links to all of those on the website. So just click through uh, there. There's a little button there. There's a button on the website for subscribing on your device as well. There's a button for getting the RSS feed. So if you're listening to this somehow without being subscribed, definitely subscribe and you'll get the latest episodes delivered to your device as soon as they are available. Usually before I've put out the show notes because I'm an idiot, (laughs) but that's neither here nor there. (laughs) Right. So yes, definitely do that. Check out the website. If you like the the show, if your podcatching service allows you to leave ratings, give us a rating. I'm not asking for a five-star rating, but if you give us a five-star rating, we love you forever. And I would also say uh, check out J&J Media because we're part of the J&J Media network that you can find over at j-a-y-a-n-d-j-a-y.m-e-d-i-a which is a podcasting network that myself and my friend jay miller of the productivity and tech podcast run we offer all sorts of services to help people who want to create a podcast get up and running with a podcast or people who want to have a newsletter for something get up and running with a newsletter we help you out with setting all of that up so definitely check that out so there you go Definitely. Excellent. It's been great speaking to you again, Squidgy. And we will catch you again soon. Catch you later, folks. Balls to balls. Intro music is Behind the Lines by Ian Sutherland. Outro music is I Need You, Watashi no Sabate by GH. Palette closing music is Breathe Deep, Breathe Clear by Siobhan Gay. See the show notes for more details. The Waffling Tailors podcast is a proud member of the J&J Media Network. To find out more about J&J Media, head over to jayandjay.media or check the show notes for a link.